Hello there, the Psychology Report once again with you. You know, the other day I um, did a program uh, in which I reviewed some very interesting research coming out of Australia with teenage kids, 15-year-olds. And in this study, they took 12,000 students and divided them into uh, basically three groups. The group that spent the majority of their time, free time, playing games on their uh, phones and iPads and various things so that they had uh, really a gaming group of kids. And then they had another group of kids that were really social media kids. These are the ones that spent their time on Facebook and email and texting and spent their time kind of in, in that arena. As compared to another group of kids that really didn't divide themselves either way. They just really didn't either do technology at all or they did very little of it. And then they compared these three groups of kids as to how they did on reading and uh, arithmetic and uh, science to see how, what their grades were and how they performed on a end-of-the-year test, their achievement test. And in this study, as you recall, the kids that did the best were the gamers. They, their scores were about 10 to 15 points higher than the group that did nothing. That they, they were kind of the normal group. They didn't spend their time in gaming. They didn't spend their time in uh, social media. So they were kind of the non-technology group. So about a 10 to 15 point higher. Where on the other hand, the social media group scored about 10 to 15 points lower on these same tests. Suggesting that the gaming group really uses the brain differently and develops the brain differently. It, the brain is challenged and it gets involved in problem solving and decision making and strategizing and uh, forecasting and looking ahead and anticipating and various kinds of things, which really strengthened the brain and made it perform better when it comes to academic tasks. Academic tasks. On the other hand, the social media kids uh, not only did poorly in their academics, but they seem to engage in social conversational skills that, they re that the authors refer to as juvenile conversation. Just little abbreviated talks, didn't complete sentences, just little phrases, words. And uh, so it was kind of juvenile talk in what they referred to it as. And uh, so there's a, quite a difference. And obviously, and I have met with many, many parents and reviewed this study with them, indicating that, first of all, Keep it in moderation still. Kids can still, there are other things that kids should do and must do than just be their, their time on either social media or in gaming. And look upon it as kind of a something to moderate. And then secondly, I said to parents, make sure that if your kids are going to do one or the other, gaming is a little bit better. So you're going to spend more time on one or the other. Spend more time on gaming and less time in social media. And if your kid is in social media, try to shift them over into uh, other kinds of technology use, such as gaming, if you will, and minimize the amount of social media use, uh, because that certainly doesn't seem to be you know, to their advantage. So this has been an area of some interest that I've developed and uh, been studying a little bit further and been sharing it with parents and asking their experiences as well. So I came upon another research study that uh, I think is very important. This came in 2016 from the National Institute of Mental Health. 
And they looked at kids that would engage themselves in social media. These are the Facebook kids. These are the texting kids. These are the e uh, are, are the email uh, kids. It's social social media. And not only did they look at kids, they looked at also kids that were in the ages or young people that were in the ages of 19 to 32. So they spent how much time did they spend on social media? How many visits per week did they engage in? And and other kind of topics. How long did they spend on social media per day and that kind of thing? And uh, what they found is social media can have very detrimental impact on the mental and emotional health of young people. In other words, social media, extensive use of it, seems to be linked to depression. Now, there's two things about depression that uh, seems to be the answer as to why that is the case. Why does social media, the excessive use of social media, seem to be associated with emotional problems, particularly depression? Well, number one, when you're spending time on social media, you're not interacting with people face-to-face. -face. So you're socially withdrawn, you're socially isolated. Although you talk through a device, that's not the same as a face-to-face -face conversation and shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder conversation and being together in a group in a social group, which has many other benefits than just verbal communication. There's a lot of support that comes from social groups. There's a lot of interaction that comes. There's a lot of subtle messages that come. There's a lot of other learning that takes place in your social groups that does not come to you through social media. So depression is a, a likely outcome because you isolate. And you don't expose yourself to the positive aspects of social interaction. But the other is that you, in social media, there's a tendency to compare yourself to other people. Especially if you use photos and you're spending a lot of time in various photos. You're comparing your photo to somebody else's photo. Your body to somebody else's body. Your appearance to somebody else's appearance. Your smile to somebody else's smile. Your physical manifestations to somebody else's physical manifestations. And when you compare yourself, there's a tendency to see yourself more negative, to see yourself on the negative side. So when you view yourself and you think more negatively, that is going to be associated with more depression. So depression is a likely outcome of social media, besides the fact that it encourages juvenile language uh, systems of talk. So... Social media doesn't come out very positive when the studies have been done regarding the kids and the young adults that spend their time in social media versus the kids that spend their time in uh, gaming, as an example. Or even kids who just kind of spend their time in normal teenage activities, playing tennis and playing golf and visiting and riding the bicycle and uh, engaging in a wide variety of other kind of activities. But there's another study that I read here recently from the Harvard Medical School. And um, this was a study about people who use ebook as their basis of reading. So rather than to pick up a hardback book or a softback book and read it on paper, these are the people that choose to read on a tablet, a, a Kindle, if you will. It's called e-readers. And what are they like? What happens to these people if they spend a lot of time in their ebook reading? Very interesting. 
because the study in that particular case found this, that these people tend to fall asleep much more difficult, or they have much more difficulty falling asleep, and they have reduced evening sleepiness. They have reduced melatonin secretion, which is the chemical associated with sleeping. And they had their circadian clock altered. And when they woke up the next morning, they were less alert than the people who did not spend their time reading Kindle or reading books on ebook. So the sleep patterns of people who read on a Kindle and various other forms of e-readers have their sleep disrupted. They have their emotional state disrupted. When the sleep is disrupted, it disrupts their social uh, relationships because you're tired and you are you don't have the same energy. It affects weight because people who are not sleeping well tend to gain weight, and it affects the mental capabilities, your ability to learn. If you're a student, you go to school and you're less able to learn because you're tired and you don't have that mental acuity and sharpness that you would otherwise. And you just live this kind of sluggish life and you don't have the advantage of a positive sleep pattern with good melatonin secretion. So the alertness in the morning, the, the alertness next day is draggy, is suppressed. So if you're going to use a Kindle, if you're going to use ebook, limit the amount of usage, particularly an hour or two before bedtime. If you're going to use it, use it at a time when you're not about ready to go to bed and go to sleep. Because that's when the worst effects will come upon you. It takes your brain about an hour or two hours to adjust back to normal after reading ebook for a couple hours. So you have to give yourself that chance to recover, if you will, before going to bed and before going to sleep. So again, social media doesn't come out very positive. And I'm including ebook reading as kind of part of social media because it's something that is not interpersonal. It's not inner it's not direct interpersonal relationship. So take this information and uh, apply it you know, to your own self. Hey, good to be with you today. This has been the Psychology Report, and I'd like to just bring to your attention on March the 4th, Saturday, is my beginning program, TV program on online television, and you can, uh, uh, you can access it from uh, centralmedia.com. And um, 10 o'clock in the morning, Saturday, and uh, the program is entitled Doctor Teach Me to Parent. So we're glad to have you uh, with me and uh, pick up the uh, program, and I'll be glad to have you in the audience. All right? So um, this has been the Psychology Report. Glad to have you with me. Bye for now.